0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. We haven't talked in a coons' age, as my grandmother used to say. Uh, it's been—I don't know how long it's been. It's been, it's been a while, has it not? Well, we tried once
1: before christmas yes and we had technical difficulties
0: yes uh the uh,
1: wrong computer the ball bearings failed <laughs> many things went wrong
0: uh and then
1: uh, we had an extended break
0: yes yes and and there was there was holidays in there and you know family and friends and things like that so it happens uh every time this year there's there, this time of year it's a little tough so it, it's good that we can finally get together uh i wanted to say happy anniversary um for january 6th and, you know, <laughs> well, and here's why martha and george got married on january 6 1754 so i think we should our founding father uh we should wish him a happy anniversary uh that's correct so uh, what did you think i was gonna say
1: oh i don't know <laughs> i mean i thought there was something else that was being hyped in the media but i, I can't remember now well, it's escaped me.
0: a CNN's doing something, but they're always doing something to gin up support for something. So I can't really say. I think there was something about a Buffalo dude, and I, I don't, I don't really remember what it was about.
1: I heard something about like worse than nine eleven,
0: yeah, Pearl yes.
1: Harbor,
0: something like. I that. I don't
1: know. I mean, we've been gone for a while, so I might have missed.
0: Many things have, have, a lot. many things have happened since we've been gone. Yeah, uh, we're, Japan may have attacked. I, I don't know. Did, did, yeah, they did. They, that was December 7th, but sure. Uh, we, we're kind of dancing around it. The January 6th, uh, I'm not going to call it insurrection because literally nobody's been charged with insurrection, so I'm not going to call it insurrection. Uh, it's the one-year anniversary of that. Um I believe probably because the Democrats' agenda and poll numbers look so poor, they might be trying to deflect. Maybe still. Oh no! You're so uh, cynical. You're still cynical. Well, why would they do weird. that? <laughs> why would they do I that? Have, by the
1: way, I have I have several thoughts that I would like to share on this uh, infamous day. Okay. Uh, the anniversary of the insurrection. Okay. So I will share them and then you can comment in terms of whether you agree with me because there are just far too many people that have said, I'm sorry, idiotic things about (laughs) what went on on January 6th. So, first of all, I think first principles are important. Okay. So, the first principle that I have is rioting is bad. Yes. There are no good riots. So. I don't care whether you are a card-carrying member of the NRA, whether you are in a MAGA hoodie, um, or if you're part of Antifa or BLM or whatever, all riots are bad. That's the first point. Do you agree with that?
0: 100% agree with that, yes.
1: And all people that are engaged in rioting, and that would include... A number of people that were at the January 6th protest who went into the Capitol and who – well, let me stop there for a minute because this is important. See, one of the issues is we don't actually know what everyone did because, strangely, the United States government will not release the thousands of hours of video footage from every angle and direction that they have – of all of these events, because as you know, Chad, not only were there people with with iPhones and smartphones everywhere, there are cameras everywhere mm-hmm. in the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's very curious to me that we are hearing all of these claims about assaults and violence. and But well, then show us what's going on, because, frankly, Chad, I know there's still people that are languishing in jail right now who were there who have not been tried and who have not actually even been accused of formal charges. And I, I don't know, Chad, it's a find that a bit troubling given that we don't live in a banana Republic or maybe we do. So my point about all the people should be appropriately prosecuted for what they did. It would be swell if our government would be forthcoming enough to show us exactly what it is they are claimed to have done. And the reason that I'm somewhat skeptical of (laughs) any of these claims is because, for instance, we heard all about the fact that a Capitol Police officer was murdered by marauding Huns with a fire extinguisher. Remember that? And the media trumpeted this everywhere. And this is one of the people that died. Well, of course, what it turned out to be is that was a complete lie. He didn't die from a fire extinguisher. He didn't die from an assault. He died in the hospital a day later from a stroke, I believe, and maybe multiple strokes uh, that had nothing to do whatsoever with the alleged insurrection. So I'm at the trust but verify stage of this. But moving on with my points. So anyone who did anything wrong, who broke laws, should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Do you agree with that?
0: Yes, Tony. I do believe that everybody who riots should be prosecuted, and if found guilty, should be in prison.
1: Now, let's let's also stop there for a brief moment. Do you or have you detected, Chad, that there is, let's just say, disparate treatment of— uh, in terms of severity, the January 6 rioters, and oh, I don't know, the BLM Antifa mobs that have, for let's see, what, over a year looted, assaulted, murdered, burned down police stations. Um, laid siege to an entire courthouse, set up armed autonomous zones, caused billions in damage, right? Or we remember all that, right? Did, have you have you noted that there is uh, equal treatment uh, under the law of those two sets of rioters, Chad? What has been your observation?
0: My observation, because I have not lived under that proverbial rock, is that if you were rioting for social justice – if you were rioting because you needed a new TV and this was a great opportunity or you just wanted to break stuff. No, you were you were given bail by I believe the current vice president was offering <laughs> support bail for you to get out. And yet the January 6th people, uh, many of them are sitting in solitary confinement, having not been granted bail, nor a swift and speedy trial. No charges. And in fact, a current federal (laughs)
1: judge just issued an order relating to one such defendant uh, sanctioning the prison authorities and the warden for what the judge called atrocious or perhaps he said abominable conditions and abuse. So this brings us back to our first principle, which is it appears that even though you and I agree that there is no Mm -hmm. such thing as a good riot or a bad riot, the current regime And those who are in power to enforce the laws apparently do believe that there is a qualitative distinction depending on who is doing the rioting. And this is one of the reasons that our country is fracturing because people like you and me who are, as you said, not under a rock or a bridge or some other object or in some sensory deprivation chamber can actually see this unfolding. So third Mm -hmm. point – the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, have um, inflated the January 6th protest. Call it a riot if you want, uh, although the vast majority – I also remember the, the CNN. It's a mostly peaceful protest, right? Now, of course, yeah. it was also a fiery but peaceful protest. That was another Orwellian label as as I think it was Ali Velshi stood Literally in front of a flaming inferno at a target that was burning, <laughs> and said, "Yes, it's yes. it's mostly it's fiery. They're they're you know toasting s'mores, but it's mostly peaceful." The point is, um, the vast majority of people that showed up there was probably over a hundred thousand people there on January six were actually peaceful, and there was a small mm-hmm. subset that were rioters. Okay. Now, we have heard comparisons from some of our thought leaders to Pearl Harbor. I believe that was – was that Kamala? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it might have been Kamala. We've had the president literally say it's the worst thing that has happened in the country, I believe, since the Civil War, which of course means – Worse than planes flying into the Twin Towers and murdering 3,000 Americans. So these people – and there's been more. it's, It's incredible the way that they are hyping this. It is facially ludicrous. So begs the question, why, Chad? Why are they constantly attempting to portray the January 6th riot? Oh, and we should point out because you alluded to the fact that you don't like to call it an insurrection. I think you said what was your reason you don't like to call it an insurrection because no one's been charged with insurrection, right? Well, I, here's a See, better look, like, here's a better reason. Historically, for me, and I know you're you're a historical guy. You remember the Whiskey Rebellion, Chad?
0: Yes. Remember yes. Shay's rebellion? I, I, I was there. See, I was there. Daniel Shay's generally,
1: generally, again, based on what I learned in my white supremacist public schooling, um, was that insurrections kind of require weapons. In other words, serious well, insurrections, because remember, the claim that is being made, Chad, is that these people, were attempting to overthrow the United States government. Okay, That is the claim. They came very close, Chad. In fact, they almost got to AOC, who was across the street in her panic room, <laughs> fearing that rogue Capitol police were going to ravage her or something. But yeah. Yeah. there was not a single weapon found on any of the individuals who entered the Capitol, not a single one, including not on Ashley Babbitt, who was shot dead by a Capitol police officer. as She attempted to climb through a window. And I would submit to you, Chad, uh, that if Ashley Babbitt had been uh, of different skin pigment and, the, and let's say if we had reversed the skin pigment of the officer and Ashley Babbitt such that she was a minority and he was a white cop, uh, that would have been front page 24-7 news for months because she wasn't – that has been – that was memory hold. No one was curious about it. But my point is I really can't take someone seriously uh, who claims that this is an insurrection and a, and a legitimate attempt to overthrow the government when nobody among the MAGA hordes – and by the way, these are the people that the, that the media constantly reminds us are at home – self-loading ammo into their automatic weapons with their NRA Gadsden flags flying, and yet all of these people who plan to overthrow the government, who are armed to the teeth, and they do militia exercises on the weekends in their camo hoodies, they didn't show up with a single weapon. So that to me makes it very difficult uh, to take seriously the idea that this is an insurrection. What do you say to that?
0: everything you say is correct uh i will say one part where i would disagree is it would not to, i don't think it would have mattered to the national story had ashley babbitt been uh black and the, the Capitol policeman white because it was still trump supporters it would have had to have been a blm riot or some that's sort true. of right?
1: that's true I you, mean, and, you have to evaluate the intersectional uh grievance correct. totem pole because you're right oh well, if you
0: if you look at uh, the supreme court um i believe clarence thomas is white according to everything i've read in the media right because he can't possibly be black and be a conservative and hold the views he does so he must be a white man masquerading well, as a black man that's true before he can't and in fact it
1: was uh it's larry elder right that ran for governor of california larry elder yep. is an african-american he was called by the yep. los angeles times a white supremacist. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So to your point, well, it, it matters only what your ideological tribe is. Yes. That is going to supersede your skin color, which ordinarily supersedes everything else. You have to learn the rules.
0: Well, yes. Well, and, and so well, I was listening to Ben Shapiro earlier in the week, and he was talking about the January 6th riots, but basically, this was an opportunity for the democratic party to say, see, we're not them all, all of our other failings. We're not them. So therefore we're the good guys because we're not them and there them is going to be, you know, except Chad, a, that a, 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 they,
1: if we're going to use that rubric, we're not them. Meaning what the group of people that ran into the Capitol. And so therefore yes. they're also then linked To anyone who is a Republican or a Trump voter. okay, well, but the problem with that argument, as as ridiculous as it is, is you are them. You're far worse than them because we just went down the litany of rioting Mm -hmm. and all the other anarchy that has been going on to cheerleading, literally or Mm -hmm. and. Cheerleading and or excuse-making and or yawning and or complete ignoring for over a year. And so yeah. the final thing I want to say about the January 6th events is if I'm going to be asked by many of our moral superiors to do some denouncing, I'm to denounce mm-hmm. this. If you don't denounce this, then you are part of the problem. Well, here's the thing. And I think John Hinderocker, um, I was just actually looking at a power line and he, ha- he makes the exact same point, which is you first. Meaning, yeah. when I hear people on the other side who are claiming to be outraged and appalled and have retired to their fainting couch because the pillars of the Republic were threatened by this heinous, heinous gathering. Well, when you get around to carrying one iota and denouncing everything that has gone on in this country that was performed by the radical left for the last year in the wake of George Floyd, I will take seriously your claim that you actually have a principled opposition to violence and rioting. And until you're willing to say that, I'm simply not going to engage in this absurd farce where one side has to wring its hands as if this is the worst thing that's ever happened, while the other side, which clearly has no issue with rioting or violence or looting or arson or or attacks on government property. Oh, one other thing to add to this, Chad, and we've talked about Mm -hmm. this before. When Donald Trump was inaugurated, the day of his inauguration, there was rioting and arson and assault in D.C. such that there were fires all across the city that could still be seen burning into the evening. The rioting mm-hmm. that occurred during Donald Trump's inauguration was several orders of magnitude worse than what happened on January 6th, and yet not a peep from the guardians of our democracy. And so I'm simply not going to play this game with them. You first, and then I will be more than happy to discuss with you the principle of rioting bad. But until then, I have no interest.
0: So I want to be clear, and we've talked about this. We, I don't condone rioting of any kind. I don't really condone protests because I think they're worthless. I think they do, they're, they're media events, and I don't really think anything comes of them. Uh, we have a history, and I think here's here's part I think is interesting. We, our country was founded on a violent revolution, a, as most of the Western hemisphere was founded on violent revolutions. Canada probably being the exception where there was not a violent revolution, so they're Canadians. My point being, January 6th, 2021 was not an insurrection. It was not an attempt to take over the government. It was a bunch of people who were upset with the process they didn't agree with. I think Donald Trump got them riled up a little bit. I don't think he sent them off to go storm the Capitol, but he it was a rally and he rallied them and then they went and did what they did. Because guess what? They're all adults. That's the part we miss. These were all adults who made a decision, just like the BLM riders, just like the Antifa riders. They were adults who made a decision, and they should bear the consequence of that decision. But in no way, shape, or form was this an attempt to overthrow the government. This was an attempt to have their voice be heard by the people certifying election they didn't agree with, for whatever reason they didn't agree with it. They are not insurrectionists, as you pointed out, no weapons, no weapons of any kind, the horned... Buffalo man, maybe, I guess somebody was walking around with a flag, you know, a flag pole that you have an inside building, which had a pointed end, I guess they used it, called it a spear, whatever. Okay. So you prosecute them. Maybe they were disorderly conduct. They were trespassing. I don't know how you're trespassing if you're let in and it's a public setting where you're supposed to go. I mean, I guess if you go to a mall and you cause problem, it's still, they can still charge you with trespassing. But at best, trespassing and um, making a nuisance of yourself, basically. Maybe the people who stole the gavel and stole Nancy Pelosi's anything, yeah, you can prosecute them for theft. But yeah, the vast majority of people just wandering around. That's it. That's all they're doing. And, and, and I want to make this point, and it, we've talked about it, but I, it really doesn't come up in the media. I do not believe for one second – if this happened in the Florida state house that Nancy, well, she would, if it was MAGA people, but they don't care. This was so self-serving this event, AOC. I was almost killed down the block and in a, in a in a room that nobody actually came into, but I was almost killed. Uh, This this hit home for these people, so therefore they're afraid. And when they're afraid, they lash out and they try to bring the full force. The January Sixth Committee.
1: Well, they're not. You know, they're not even actually. I'm. You know what? I don't even believe they're actually afraid. They're not. They're not actually afraid. Look, I'm sure in the moment that day there were people that were in the Capitol who were legislators who were frightened because it was it, it was chaos. It was unclear what was going on. There's people in the building. Um, However, to your point, we have a real-world analogy here. Do you Mm -hmm. remember during Scott Walker's governorship in Wisconsin? The Democrats stormed the Wisconsin Statehouse. They stormed Mm -hmm. their Capitol building, hundreds of them, occupied it. Oh, and you know what? We don't even have to go there. Here's another useful comparison, which, again – the people that are and you know one of the things you will hear from from people that disagree with us will say oh, well Tony and Chad you're being ridiculous there is no comparison between uh, you know whatever the horseplay that was going on out in the country this was the seat of our democracy this is different in kind now first of all i completely disagree with that rioting is rioting but more to the point well we had another very recent riot at the seat of our democracy, where people ran into the Senate chamber, protesters storming the building burst in. Do you remember when that happened, Chad? Yeah. That was during the, um, let's see, what was going on? Oh, that's right. The Chevy Chase gang rapist who was about to be appointed (laughs) to the Supreme Court, who had to be stopped at every possible cost, including having a sitting senator who is now the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, holding a press conference in which he directly threatened By name, two sitting Supreme Court justices, and we had people shrieking, hysterical people scrabbling at the doors of the Supreme Court chamber, right? Does anyone – does this ring a bell? Does does anyone recall any of this? And did any of the usual suspects that you and I know who are now out there trumpeting the fact that this is the worst thing ever, do they have anything to say about this? Any? Any – sackcloth and ashes, any lamentations. No, it was essentially, well, of course this is going on, because well, once again, our democracy is threatened by the lawful appointment of a guy that we can't stand to the Supreme Court who might issue rulings that we don't like. And by the way, ironically, Brett Kavanaugh has not yet issued any such ruling, but it didn't matter. So this gets back to my point. I simply will not entertain any of these fraudulent claims and this insistence that somehow this must be denounced. It's it's Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football,
0: and I'm not going to play along. I just won't. Now, well, so I'm going to bring up a little historical point that I'm almost certain nobody listening tonight will even remember. On November 7th, 1983, at 10.58 p.m., there was a bomb that went off in the Senate, perpetrated by a group calling themselves the May 19th Communist Organization. Four members were arrested. Six members were arrested. Four were convicted. It wasn't the Tea Party? They blew up. What's that? It wasn't the tea party. It was not the tea party. It was wow. the May 19th communist. organization in response to our military involvement in Lebanon and Grenada? I point this out because that was a literal bomb that went off. It blew in the speaker's door. I'm sorry. It blew in the Senate leader door. That this is not what happened on January 6th should not have happened. It's disgraceful that it did. And, and again, I think if people had shown up on mass and demanded to be heard, maybe you can say, okay, and if and if the Capitol Police let them in, which apparently, based on everything we've read, they did, and they just wandered around and were there, prior to January 6th, you and I could have gone into the Capitol. It, it wasn't locked down. You could go in. When it was doing normal business, you could go in. You may not get a ticket to go into the chamber to see anything going on, but you could be in the Capitol. this is not this has been blown up for political purposes only now i want to say something about politicians and, I, and i've said before i think every politician is a liar or at least a half truth teller maybe not even a half maybe quarter but when we think about our politicians and this 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 translates to whomever you support it doesn't matter who it is every single politician without fail has won a popularity contest. They didn't win an intelligence contest. They didn't win a I-know-how-to-fix-everything contest. They might say they do. They won a popularity contest. So for some reason that I can't seem to fathom, we give people such as AOC, uh, uh, Maisie Harano, Kamala Harris, we give them authority because they won a popularity contest. Would you give your prom king or queen the authority over your life. I wouldn't. So what's the difference? We're, we're electing people who don't necessarily have any competence in the area in which they find themselves. They're simply elected. And maybe in the past, it was the best and brightest because it wasn't a career. You came in, you, you got out, you didn't stick around for decades and decades. I mean, there's some exceptions even in the early Republic, but we're electing basically a homecoming king or queen. That's what we're doing. And then we're giving them authority over us. They're no – Well, but let, me, so so let some, me stop you there for a minute. So when ahead. you say
1: we're giving them authority over us, I don't have a problem. I mean that is our system. So in other words – I know. In other words, absolutely. Like the, the, the level of competency, uh, the level of integrity that we mm-hmm. now see in our political class is potentially at its lowest ebb – in history, and I do think there are there there are honorable people that's still in Congress. I, for instance, I would think of somebody like uh, Dan Crenshaw. Um, I think mm-hmm. I think Ted Cruz is largely an honorable guy. So, but but here's my point. So I don't have a problem with the reality that because we elect these people, we are at a certain level going to then be subject to. People who are corrupt, to people who are lazy, to people who are grifters, when they are supposedly doing their job uh, as representatives of their constituents. And of course, our remedy for that is to have them removed at the next available election. I think where the problem that you've identified has become magnified and, and exacerbated to the point where it's almost a crisis. Is that we are now not being ruled, so to speak, by one of the legitimate constitutional branches of government, but we frequently find ourselves being ruled by edicts and regulatory authority and all manner of proclamations that are issued forth from the administrative state, sort of the so-called fourth branch of government, which by the way, the founders didn't include in their little plan for this constitutional republic. And so my concern is not so much that you have goofballs like AOC or anti-Semites Uh, like the squad, also including AOC, uh, or any other manner of incompetent or corrupt individual in our Congress. It's that we are now farming out all sorts of um, rules, regulations, which can absolutely subject American citizens to deprivations of liberty and property, criminal sanctions to people who are wholly unaccountable within the legislative process. And that, to me, is really the biggest problem that has metastasized in the last 20 years and and really accelerated under the Obama administration. And it continues.
0: Yeah, and I will agree with what you're saying there. And I I don't take blame away from the electorate because we've put these people in power. My concern is – Basically the yeah we've got the administrative state which is bad. What well, elected this.
1: who's the poster yeah. child? Who right now would come immediately to your mind as the poster child for an unelected official who is essentially wielding almost unlimited power over the entire population of this country? Who 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 pops into your head, Chad?
0: Well I would think of two, and the one you're thinking is Anthony Fauci. That's correct. But the second would be Ron Klain to me, that's unelected, so correct? Of course,
1: Ron Klain is not a front-facing individual, but that's, that's right. So we have a
0: guy in Anthony
1: Fauci. Uh, the founders could never have imagined this type of individual having any ability within our system to command mm-hmm. Americans to do anything. And yet in mm-hmm. reality, this guy, in, in large extent, his proclamations, his decisions, because he is science, Chad, remember, he is the personification yeah. of science. He has such inordinate power over the lives mm-hmm. of everyday Americans that it's unconscionable. And I wouldn't care if Anthony Fauci was a guy who I agreed with on every single thing that he said there is no person within the federal bureaucracy and that is what he is make no mistake he is an unelected essentially unaccountable bureaucrat who is dictating to 330 million americans how they shall live that to me is a scandal
0: well it is a scandal and you you are correct and i think the whole my whole point around this is I'm tired. I'm tired of ceding all of my life to these people. And I mean in the sense that it, I think there's enough laws on the books. Let me be honest. I think there's enough laws on the books. Funding bills might vary because things happen. But from a law perspective, we don't need additional laws we need to enforce what we have. We need to reduce the number of we laws. Need I know way less. From law we
1: need way less laws.
0: Well, to do that, and it, it, nothing came of it. I mean, he was a big show, but nothing ever came of it. We we send these people to Congress, and to get reelected, they pass laws that harm us, disadvantage us, and make our lives worse, so that they can say, "I got you something. I did this, so I have something to run on." I don't. I don't want them passing laws. And we've talked to this before. I if if you don't know what you're talking about and you don't understand the issues, don't vote. And that sounds scandalous to some people, but don't vote because I don't want a know nothing, not the party, but the actual people, know nothing p- casting a ballot for what they think is helping them. We are we are a, a constituency of factions. I know Dr. Fia doesn't like to hear that. You're one party voters. But the 81 million people that voted for Biden did not vote for Biden. Most of them did not vote for Biden. They mostly voted against Donald Trump. And they voted for what they thought Joe Biden could do for them because of what he said. Shut down the virus, not shut down the economy. Now, we know that's a load of crap. It was a load of crap when he said it. It was a load of crap when he repeated it. And still a load of crap today because he said last week, the federal government has no role in (laughs) stopping the pandemic. You literally ran on the fact that you were going to shut down the pandemic. So- to say that with a straight face bothers me that 81 million people believed this guy. Do you think, when Joe, there Biden,
1: was- do you think Joe Biden even remembers what he said no. when he was running for no. president?
0: He doesn't remember what he did five minutes ago. The fact that on Christmas Eve – a guy could troll him and say, let's go, Brandon, and he agreed with him, should tell you how out of touch this president is and has enjoy, no idea.
1: I did enjoy the uh, the unifying White House message over the holidays in which this, – this is literally – Joe Biden said – I wish I had the exact quote in front of me, but he said essentially – the unvaccinated, okay, which, of course, are the now the second-class citizens. Way to unify, Joe. The unvaccinated, yes. who, of course, were demonizing, can prepare themselves, what was it, for a holiday for of and- sickness and death.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And you look at that and say – so, now, can what? you imagine? Can you imagine, Chad, if our friend Dr. Fia, who I remember, he among many of the other progressives, remember how how exercised they were at Donald Trump's mm-hmm. inaugural speech when he talked about American carnage? And I read all yes. of these. It's dark. It's dystopian. It's tyrannical. Right? This language. This brutalist, brutalist language. Now, can you imagine if Donald Trump was still president and he had said something along the lines to his essentially his political enemies, prepare yourselves for a Kwanzaa of sickness and death. Right. There would have been the third articles of impeachment drafted the next day for, I don't know, terrorizing the populace with hate words or something. Um, It's. It's amazing to me. Oh, and one of the points I wanted to make, because you were making an excellent point about we don't need more laws. Do you remember uh, how many pages Chad is the build back better monstrosity that Joe Manchin has single handedly torpedoed? Do you remember?
0: I thought it was like three thousand, but I, I think could it's be 5, wrong. Five thousand. Now, okay.
1: Um, is that legislation? I mean, in other words, is that a actual legislative process? Nobody has read that. Uh, Nobody actually, as Nancy Pelosi famously said, well, we have to pass it to find out what's in the cornucopia of goodies for all of our constituents. It is a travesty that this is how we now conduct government and pass laws. It's not just enough uh, to pass additional laws that we don't need. Now we are passing things. That no individual has even bothered or could even possibly have read, understood, and engaged in any type of informed debate over whether it is meritorious or not. We, we don't even care about that anymore. And by the way, that's a criticism not only of Democrats but of Republicans. They are equally culpable in what has now become basically a a graft and pork pipeline that just gets jammed through so that they can reward all of their patrons uh, who have who've basically gotten them elected it's it's disgusting and until we put a stop to this sort of thing you know again that's why we're 30 trillion dollars in debt with no end in sight and the Republican party stands just as complicit as the Democratic party uh the democrats are worse but the republicans are bad so it's really almost a distinction without a difference at this point
0: well and i think that's the that's the issue i would come up with it i'm blaming all of our elected officials not just some not just the democrats all because they have our elected officials as a group have failed the American people. They're not being held accountable because everybody wants their pork, but we have been failed by our elected officials. And I believe probably at the state levels as well. Uh, I, I don't, con- I don't condemn Joe Biden for admitting that this is, you can't snuff out a pandemic. He says it's at the state level. It's not even at the state level. It's at no level, the, the federal state local. You don't stop a pandemic. You try to well, mitigate no, the be, uh,
1: What Joe Biden should be condemned for and roundly condemned for because you're correct. That's always been true. But what he did and his party did and his cheerleaders in the media did is they demagogued that issue yes. and said, yes. well, Donald Trump has blood on his hands. Donald Trump is the president of death. Ron DeSantis is governor death. So, They used that and claimed, of course, that Joe Biden had some sort of magic walker that he was going to bring to the White House, right? Some sort of scepter that he was going to wave, and this was all going to go away. Of course, it was a lie when they said it. They knew it was a lie, but it had political utility for them because they could use it to cudgel Donald Trump. In fact, Peter Ducey specifically asked Jen Psaki – Since you claimed that Donald Trump was responsible for all of the deaths under his presidency from COVID and that rendered him – unfit for office, does that rule still apply now that the deaths under Joe Biden have exceeded the number under Donald Trump? And of course, Jen Psaki said, look, squirrel, I I, I don't know what she said, but they won't answer that question because it's no longer useful to them.
0: Well, just just because you have an R behind your name doesn't mean you all your ideas are wrong. And just because you have a D next to your name doesn't mean all your ideas are right. It goes both ways. I, I tire of the constant politicization of every single issue that is not political. Don't tell me to follow the science as the CDC dismisses the science in favor of the political. If Donald Trump was still president, I can practically guarantee the CDC would not have reduced the number of days to quarantine from 10 to five. I guarantee it. That would not have happened. Biden is underwater. Kamala Harris is further underwater. The Build Back Better plan hopefully is dead. I don't know if it is, but I hope it's dead. The filibuster, getting rid of the filibuster should be dead, although Chuck Schumer seems to be the only one in the room who thinks he's going to get enough, maybe thinks he can get Republicans to vote for it. I I don't know. That's possible, I guess. Uh, Mitt Romney's still in the Senate. Anything's possible, but I, I... I grow weary of making statements. Now, I don't think the vast majority of the eighty-one million people who voted for Joe Biden—if uh, if they did believe that he was going to wipe out the pandemic—I don't think they seriously believed he was going to wake up wipe out the pandemic. They were voting against Donald Trump, pure and simple, in my mind. Or, or they vote straight party Democrat. They don't they don't vote anything other than Democrat. So they were going to vote for whoever the candidate was, and they did that with Hillary. But I don't think the people who voted for Biden and actually made a choice, whether it's independents or Republicans who voted against him, were voting for Joe Biden. I really don't believe that. And nothing in, in his 11 months of office makes me believe that anybody should have voted for him. Anybody, notwithstanding that we've talked about in this program before, who told us he was the most pro-life president, um, he was going to solve the border and make it not cruel and unusual punishment. He was going to wipe out the pandemic, get us all back to work, and the economy would be roaring. Joe Biden is a continuation of B- Barack Obama, and Barack Obama was a divider-in-chief, and Joe Biden has done the same thing. Well, but still, but raised, Chad, Chad,
1: surely surely they've been speaking truth to power, right, uh, on all of those issues that Joe Biden has no. – really? No? no. no. That, that hasn't – I'm so disillusioned. That hasn't happened?
0: I want to say when somebody says stre- st- speaking truth to power, I cringe because that's the dumbest thing ever. It's – you're telling the truth as you see it that doesn't make it truth. It just means your version of the truth. And I get tired of being told uh, it, it, it's about your skin color, which you can't change. It was about your skin color before and you couldn't change it. It was racist when a white person said you're inferior because of the color of your skin. It's still racist when a black person says you're bad because you're white. It do- you can't, I don't buy into the, mar- the margin that racism is only for the Uh, Oppressor, the oppressee cannot be racist. That is complete and utter garbage. You can be a jerk regardless of your skin color. Stop hiding behind the fact that you're a minority. Therefore, you can't be a jerk. No, you're a jerk because you're a jerk, not because of your skin color. Uh, And I get tired of the the. I'm told that if you're unvaccinated, then you're a bad person. You're causing the rest of us harm. Omicron. so, oh, that's not true.
1: Let's do it. Let's do a quick 5-minute um sure. dive into the vax the vaccination thing because yes. It just sort of the uh the state of play with uh the unending covid cult. Now, mm-hmm. you and I have repeatedly made the point that covid is a serious virus. It is obviously a deadly virus. It is mm-hmm. specifically and most significantly dangerous to people who are over 65 uh, people Mm -hmm. who have who are over 65 and have comorbidities Uh, so Mm -hmm. neither you nor i uh, are have ever said it's like the flu and it's made up and no no it's it's very serious Um, however we are now at a stage where we are on what the third variant the omicron
0: well well, we know of (laughs)
1: Right, that we know of, that that has been identified by the media that we are supposed to run and shrieking from. And um, what we do know now about Omicron is that it appears to be far more transmissible than Delta. However, the good news Mm -hmm. – we don't want that good news. The media won't report the good news, which is it seems to be far less lethal such that Mm -hmm. most of the people – that are getting Omicron, it presents essentially as a a cold or a bad cold. I'm sure there's a a subset, particularly those who, again, are older and sick, uh, who will will die from it, tragically. But Mm -hmm. it is far less lethal than what we had seen before. And what we also now know, to sort of tie these things together, and which, interestingly, uh, our betters are now sort of walking back in a gaslighting fashion. Is we also know that the vaccines do not prevent you from getting COVID. We've known this for a while. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't prevent you from spreading COVID. They don't prevent mm-hmm. you from dying from COVID. Now, I do think it's fair to say. that it is,
0: but not prevent, yes.
1: Yes. I do think it's fair to say that what the data, the only thing that I think the data shows about the vaccines and the boosters is that particularly for people who are older and who have serious comorbidities, they do make it less likely for those people to suffer serious effects and death. Though They, they work, but, but the catch is the efficacy, the duration, seems to be three to four months, three to six months, and they, it wanes – over that duration and more problematic still it appears that the vaccines are far less effective such that their effectiveness exists because i don't really think they're operating as a normal vaccine to omicron right they don't they haven't had this and what we're seeing in the UK and in Israel and in Canada in direct refutation of joe biden's lie that this is now a disease of the unvaccinated is you're seeing percentages of people in hospitals, which are close to 50, 50 in some situations relating to Omicron, it's actually more vaccinated people than unvaccinated. And yet we hear none of this. And so my question leading up to this, all of this, Chad, this prelude is what possible Scientific justification could there now be, given for everything that we know, for any type of mandate relating to these vaccines or to masks or any other of these social control government interventions that we have been living with for the last two years?
0: So I want to start by saying we do not shut down our economy for the common cold hence the common and no treatment, you just treat the symptoms, uh, or the flu, which we have had vaccines for for well over 50 years. The data that I've read says that the Delta variant um, acted like the common cold or the, maybe the flu, a little more severe, uh, if you were vaccinated. In in just the data, it was had the same um, death toll as you would see from the flu. The Omicron variant, um, and for the for the unvaccinated, it was it was still deadly. The Delta was still deadly. Uh, for the Omicron variant, not having the vaccination still keeps you relatively like having the flu. Still can be deadly. Still can kill people. Can can harm them in many ways. This, based on what you're saying there, no. There, if Omicron, which I, I hate to use the word all and never because absolutes are really tough to, to pin down. Most people, if the data is to be believed, most people will get Omicron. They may not know they had it. They may not really show any symptoms, but they may have it and therefore would develop natural immunity. Which is good. So the good news, right, which, which you were talking about, the good news, which you're not hearing reported, although Chris Hayes did say the other day, the Omicron is kind of like the flu. He, he admitted that on TV, that it's kind of like the flu. now. I don't think Chris Hayes wrote that because I don't think he's intelligent enough to have done so. But I do believe that, yes, if you've not been vaccinated, you've you've held out to this point, you've not been mandated by your employer for some reason, you're not going to, there's no data out there that says, yes, I should get vaccinated now. You made that decision a long time ago, months and months ago, you decided I'm not getting vaccinated for whatever reason you've chosen. I had it. I don't. I think they're trying to control me with nanobots and the vaccine. I think it's this, that, and the other thing to cause, I don't know, whatever your theory is. You didn't get it because you didn't think you needed it. And with Omicron, maybe you're right. Now, I still think, you know, I, I think this is going to be around for indefinitely. I don't think we're going to ever. It's going to be right. start, ever,
1: you know. in some variation. Yeah, no,
0: no government's going to shut it down. No politician who tells you you can can it's, it's, a, it's an outright lie because it's not possible. You don't shut down a pandemic. It goes into remission. It it loses. It reduces. Sometimes it goes up. Other times, that's the reality we're going with. Walking around with the masks. Talking about mandates, vaccine vaccine mandate. I'm not a I'm not a mandate guy. I don't believe in mandates. I got the vaccine because I wanted to get the vaccine for me and my family as well. I don't believe I. You should force anybody else to do so if if what they're if it's their choice, it's their body, they're putting something into the body, it doesn't make them a bad teammate, doesn't make them a bad coworker, it makes them somebody who had a decision. Now, if you want to educate those people and say, this is why I think you should do it, this is your situation, and they choose still not to do it, that's on them. They are adults. I don't believe in the nanny state. I, I believe that we are. Functioning adults who have to make decisions every day about what happens to us, and I don't believe a government has the right to tell you you've got to get this shot in your arm. Now we do it with other uh, mumps, polio, rubella, what, you name it. We we do mandate that for schools. There are exceptions, but most people don't qualify and really wouldn't go after it anyway. But we mandate those things because it's in the public good. For an infectious disease and that's the rationale we might be hearing i i don't i don't believe there's enough data for a long enough period of time for me to comfortably say you should do it and trust everything you're hearing because we've seen the cdc well, we, we know we the can't CDC trust we,
1: know we literally can't trust anything we're hearing from these people no and, and that's the problem so in, in illuminating just another one of these data points about why our public health officials have forfeited all credibility Um, Mm -hmm. Francis Collins, who is the outgoing director of the National Institute of Health, I believe, and uh, also a Christian. So Francis Mm -hmm. Collins has been all over television recently uh, discussing his thoughts on COVID and on the social policies that are necessary to prevent spread, and he's a bit of a zealot on that issue. Uh, Fair enough. He's entitled to his uh, authoritative opinion. However, one of the things that was revealed recently is that when the Great Barrington Declaration was (laughs) drafted, and and I don't know if we've talked that much about this before, but...
0: We talked about it when it came out, but we haven't talked about it since.
1: This is a a paper that was um, basically prepared by... The, the initial authors, there's thousands, tens of thousands of signatories now. The initial authors are three very esteemed, uh, they were, and prominent <laughs> epidemiologists and virologists. Uh, one of them, I think his name is Dr. Bhattacharya. He is uh, at Stanford. There's another doctor whose name now escapes me who is at Oxford. And there was a third one, I think is it's Dr. Kildorf, Martin Kildorf, I believe, who as at Harvard, these are not as Dr. Collins immediately labeled them, quote unquote, fringe doctors. So he smeared them with that label. And by the way, what did they say? What was their radical claim that had to be suppressed? What these three leading epidemiologists, Bhattacharya also, I believe, not only is, he also has a doctorate in like public health policy these are incredibly learned guys and they are specialists in this field what did they recommend that was so so awful and so dangerous their recommendation was simply this focused protection what does that mean what they said from the beginning was this is a respiratory virus You cannot combat it with lockdowns. And by the way, lockdowns and these other measures have incredible health and social costs. And so what we advocate is it is dangerous to people who are elderly, who have comorbidities, who have autoimmune problems. Go down the list. We need to focus all of our efforts on protecting those people and shielding them from the virus. By the way, these guys are not anti-vaccine. They think the mm-hmm. vaccine is beneficial and that people in those categories should take it. But what they said is the rest of society needs to go on with their lives. And hopefully, as in every historical pandemic, we will build natural immunity as it goes through the population. And if you're part of the population that is not in that high-risk cohort, your chances of surviving COVID are which the media never seems to want to talk about, and so we allow natural immunity to build throughout the remainder of the population, and that is how we get through this without disastrous economic, social, physical costs. One of the things that they note, which is never talked about, is when you're doing lockdowns and when you're flattening the curve – people who have cancer, people who have heart problems, people who have other very deadly diseases in terms of their long-term effects and their potential to be fatal are foregoing treatment for those things. And we are now not able to measure and we are seeing what is happening that those people, for they didn't have medical treatment for a year, they said that makes no sense from a risk, safety, public health standpoint. So that was their incredibly... Dangerous idea. And Dr. Collins immediately told Fauci, his underling, we must destroy these guys. We have to issue a devastating response and they have to be treated as lepers. Those weren't his words, but that was, well, he did say devastating response. And that was the idea. They have to be demonized and marginalized. Now, in what sort of society are we living in which medical experts in their field are basically being treated as heretics by like some sort of inquisition? If you don't find that to be incredibly chilling, and by the way, this is going on with all manner of doctors. Okay. They're being canceled. They're being deplatformed. They're not allowed to talk about therapeutics. If you have anything negative to say about the the vaccine and the demonstrated side effects, including myocarditis, including the fact that the Japan's Ministry of Health, or what it is called, is now banned, two of the vaccines are suspended their use because of the ongoing heart inflammation problems that have been documented. You're not permitted to talk about any of this. And Chad, as a guy who has been in the professional ranks in the pharmaceutical industry, what is your reaction to this incredible level of I mean, it's almost beyond censorship. These are supposed to be professionals who are neutral and transparent and pursuing science, and they are acting like a bunch of high priests in some sort of religion who are who is punishing. They're punishing witches. That's what's going on right now.
0: Yeah. So just so to piggyback a little bit what you said, there are nine hundred and ten. Just over 910,000 total signatures to the Great Barrington Declaration. 850,000 or so are concerned citizens, so not medical professionals. But 15,552 medical and public health scientists, 45,916 medical practitioners. So about 61,000 medical people and or scientists. So to answer your question, uh, doctors have opinions and... And this is this across across the spectrum for me. Not not just looking at medical people, scientists, politicians, whatever it was. We have mental inertia, uh, meaning when we get an idea in our heads, especially if we're in a position of authority, and doctors are held up to a position of authority, we get it in our heads that we're right, and then we search out like minded sources to support what we believe. So if you ever if you've ever tried to buy a car, and I know you've bought a few, Tony uh, you, you do research and you figure out what you you narrow it down to what it is. What can I afford? What features do I want? What do I want it to have? And once you lock into that, it's really hard to change you to another vehicle. You, you've researched it. You put the time in, you've done it. And now if somebody says, yeah, but the transmission falls on that, falls out of that in 5,000 miles, but it looks really cool. You're really going to struggle. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Doctors are no different. I get it in my head this makes sense to me whether it's right or wrong it makes sense to me the data i'm viewing it a certain way and therefore i can't fathom how somebody else could view it in a different way so doctors like us they don't always like to collaborate they don't want to be told they're wrong they want to say i'm right and speak with a a feeling of authority so they don't change what they do here public policy nih doesn't matter I'm the authority. I've been vested with that authority. Therefore, I'm going to act like an authority and I'm going to come across with consensus. I don't want to be governed or medically governed by consensus. I want somebody who's done their research is open that maybe my idea is wrong. Have I looked at that? There's a guy in Japan, there's a, there's a process in Japan, boards of companies in Japan, not always, but commonly have a no person. On the board or close to the ceo or the president that person comes around and they say this won't no this isn't going to work even if it might work their sole job is to disagree with the common knowledge or the common feeling of the group to make them look at that situation look at that decision and say okay let's talk about all of the ramifications of this we're not seeing that right now with our public health officials. We're not seeing that with our politicians. We're not seeing with a lot of medical practitioners because they've been cowed into believing I have to do what they say or I will be excommunicated. I'll be kicked into outer darkness of no longer being part of the AMA or no longer being part of my organization or some such thing. They start to say, okay, it's easier to just go along instead of putting my head up and getting it whacked off. And they do that. People do this all the time. I don't want to be noticed because if I'm noticed, I might have to respond in a different way. I might have to share what I feel. And if I share something I know is not going to be popular, I'm going to get, I'm going to have problems later. So I just don't do it. Well, Chad, That's
1: the, I, think. I think the incredibly troubling reality is that literally every every part of the, the medical community, our government, including agencies that are supposed to be Non political have been politicized root Mm -hmm. and branch. And when you can no longer even trust the medical community to provide accurate, unbiased information, whatever it may be. See, I Mm -hmm. I don't have, I want to know. I want to know Mm -hmm. that, guess what? Um, The therapeutics that you thought were really great. Uh, they kill people, right? I want to know that. Uh, I want to yeah. know the vaccine has these benefits and these demonstrated mm-hmm. side effects. Give us all the information, right? Isn't that what doctors are supposed to do uh, in, in any profession? Uh, but but you literally now have members of the AMA, uh, obviously members of the federal bureaucracy in the form of the CDC, who are suppressing information Mm -hmm. who are distorting information who are cherry-picking studies a perfect example of this is on masking the cdc does not discuss any of the other than to attack one of them any of the randomized control group studies on masks now Mm -hmm. we've talked about this before In the scientific world, the randomized control group study is the gold standard because it accounts for confounding variables, and you can't really tweak it so that it fits confirmation bias because you actually – it's randomized. That's the whole point. The CDC instead relies on incredibly shabby observational studies, which have actually amazingly even been attacked in the Atlantic which is a Uh temple of COVID. And so my point is, so you have a governmental agency that is tasked with dealing with a pandemic and they are not even willing to be honest about what do the studies tell us about the things that you are advocating to fight this virus. And what they should be saying is, hey, you know what? because we actually follow the science, because we're constantly testing our hypotheses about how this disease works, we found out, even though we thought that masks were really, really helpful, they don't actually do much at all to reduce the spread of this virus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to alter our approach to reflect that reality, and we're going to try something different. See, that's what an actual scientist would do. But these people are not interested in science. They're interested in peddling a predefined narrative and anyone who opposes it therefore must be destroyed. That is going to destroy this country in the sense that I have absolutely no faith whatsoever in any of the information that is coming from any of these people. And why should you? We also had What was it? 1,200 doctors who signed a statement that said, oh, yes, this is a pandemic. And yes, all you people that are in the red states need to stop going to church and funerals and don't go to Sturgis. Don't go to spring break. However, if you do need to gather 5,000 strong to protest with BLM, that's medically, medically okay. Because racism is a medical problem. And the minute that they issued that letter, I would never go to see a single one of those people who signed that for any medical advice whatsoever, because you're not a doctor, you're an ideologue. And you have tainted and completely immolated your credibility as a medical professional by subsuming that to your political agenda. And that is going on everywhere. And it is destroying the public's faith in every institution in this country.
0: So you, you're completely right in everything you said. And I want to, for our listeners, I want to clarify some things about study design study creation studies when you read well i think if you're listening to dr fauci you're listening uh uh, rochelle walinsky or anybody like that um i think you need to think about that uh because you don't you're not getting great sources and sources require a hypothesis and you have to be open to the idea that your hypothesis could be wrong so keep that in mind uh The data has to support what you're saying and it has to be reliable, double blind, statistically analyzed so that you get an actual number that that makes any sense. And we haven't done that with a lot of things. We're just making it up as we go, which is unfortunate. There's a lot to talk about there. I want to finish because we're running long tonight on some things that my lamentations from the Lazy Boy, uh, I had a couple of events. Um, Tony texted me on Monday night when the Steelers were playing the Browns. Well, I take that back. There was some sort of contest occurring in Pittsburgh. It was not recognizable
1: as as football.
0: So I want to give you some stats because you brought some of this up when we were talking. So Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers quarterback who played in most likely his last home game and who plays most likely his last game on Sunday against the Ravens, Ben Roethlisberger had 123 yards passing on 46 attempts for the game, okay? That is the lowest in NFL history for anybody attempting forty-five plus passes. Okay, hundred and twenty-three yards. Think about what you're, what I'm saying there. See, no, Chad, but that you, have is, to, you have
1: to put this in context. Uh, yes. It this in context for people who don't follow football. Okay, because his, I was so I wasn't watching this game, but I texted Chad because I had it on my phone, and I pulled up the box score at halftime. And I was convinced it was an error because it said (laughs) that Ben Roethlisberger at halftime had thrown 34 passes for 97 yards. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, it's almost impossible that he threw 34 passes, but even more ridiculous, or maybe it was 87 yards. He was averaging, and he averaged for the game something like 2.7 Yards per attempt. Now mm-hmm. I want people to think about how far a football travels when you throw it <laughs> should, should travel. It, it is almost inconceivable to me that any quarter that was also, I think the lowest yards per attempt for that, for that many throws in history by, I don't think there's anything even close to it. Well,
0: well, So Cordell Stewart in 1998, he went 11 for 35 for 82 yards. Uh, So that was the previous lowest um, in Steelers history, but Ben surpassed that on Monday night.
1: And so I'm thinking to myself, for instance, Chad, if you complete one 30 yard pass, right? Like it is almost impossible. You could run a simulation on Madden and I don't know. Plug in um, Babe Laufenberg or what? Some guy that has like the lowest Madden rating in history. Okay, Mike Glennon, whatever. Um, and set, and see if you could replicate that stat line. And I don't think you could do it. Uh, it's it's no. incredible. And I feel badly in some ways because you you said this. Ben is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's won two Super Bowls. He's in the top 10 in almost every meaningful passing statistic, touchdown, yardage, whatever. He's been a warrior. He's been a great, great quarterback. But he is a shell. And oh. here's, but here's the thing, Chad. They may very well. They're playing the Ravens, who are a mash unit. If the mm-hmm. Steelers win next week, and I forget the other variables there is are they if they win, are they in?
0: No, they have to win. Uh, the Colts have to lose to Jacksonville, which they they're zero well, the six. To, that's in unlikely. That's
1: unlikely. Well,
0: in Jacksonville, they're zero six the last six contests in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. Now, I think it's very li- unlikely that's going to happen. Uh, they also have to have the Raiders and the Chargers not tie.
1: Okay, so so their chances well, are no basically more. they're basically like less than one percent.
0: Okay, and it's actually. 3%, but that's not, it, it's a Ben Roethlisberger is playing his last game on Sunday. I, I do not see that
1: game. game.
0: The Steelers they won, the won game the that game. I know. I, against and
1: that, the against, purportedly at the beginning of the season, um, Super Bowl contending. Yeah. Free it's agent, not, free agent, augmented Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah. It, it, they are not he's a good Baker team. Baker has
1: to be hurt, right?
0: He, well, yeah, he, he's having it's, surgery. I know, his shoulder, you know.
1: I know his shoulder, but yeah. my point is his his shoulder injury has to be affecting him because what oh, were yeah. what were what were Baker's stats in that game?
0: I don't know what his were. They they, they were they were horrific. They, they can't be worse. than has the record. Didn't <laughs>
1: Watt, didn't T.J. Watt sack him like seventeen times?
0: The Steelers had nine sacks. T.J. Watt had four of them. T.J. Watt is one sack behind Michael Strahan's record. Yeah, And I would say it'll be an asterisk because if he gets it on Sunday, then it would be an extra game. Yeah. The whole point for me is, and I went back and looked at this, and and you've given me grief over time about who would you replace uh, uh, Tomlin with. If I believe Ben Roethlisberger should have been cut in the summer of 2010 when he was – legitimately acclu- accused of two sexual assaults uh, by two different people in two different places. I would have cut with him 11, 12 years ago now. And you know what, the, you know how many championships we would have given up by doing that? None, none, none. They made one more appearance in the Super Bowl against the Packers and they lost. We would have given up none. We would have had mediocre seasons. And you could which have joined Philip Rivers. Could have signed a lot of play, could have signed a lot of other people. We could have signed uh, two years later. We might have been able to sign um, Peyton Manning. Maybe Peyton Manning goes to Pittsburgh when he he gets cut by the Colts. I, I don't know, but okay. We, we locked ourselves. Go ahead.
1: So, because you're talking about this, who is going to be the Steelers quarterback next season?
0: It will either be Mason Rudolph, which is not a That's good impossible. thing. Or That's the
1: wrong answer. Impossible. Some cast off.
0: Who, no, wait, why what, can't it be Aaron Rodgers? Why would Aaron, why would Aaron Rodgers go to a team that can't protect their quarterback? Well, why? That is a problem.
1: What? That is a problem. Um, I wouldn't. Well, if you have a choice, why you, would you? What, what if they tell Aaron Rodgers, okay, look, we're going to beef up the, the offensive line in the offseason. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers for two years in a sure. Steelers uniform.
0: Do it you, would be awesome. What you Russell need Wilson. a lot. We
1: talked about this before. I, I want Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers in Pittsburgh. That is what I want.
0: I would take either one, but Russell Wilson in the off season was complaining about his offensive line not protecting him. Uh, the Steelers cannot protect. They cannot. Pre- that is a mass unit of a well, line. But then also and at this
1: year. point, lurch. Okay, so Russell can deal with some of that. Yes, he's tired of running around in Seattle because they weren't sure. protecting him either. Um,
0: right,
1: That needs to happen. There needs to be some marquee quarterback that finds his way to the Steelers.
0: I would be fine with it if it happened, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's nobody with the, the status and the porousness of that offensive line. Why would anybody choose to come there if, you're, if you have an option? If you're a good quarterback, why would you choose it? You're going to get somebody who's not a good because option.
1: Because you still are surrounded with number one, one of the best organizations in football. Um, You've got receiving talent on that team. You've got a defense that's theoretically very good if they're healthy, if they're all healthy. So, yeah, I mean, you've got a weakness at offensive line, and and I've said, and I believe this, offensive line is the most important position group in football, bar none. Defensive line is the second most important. Offensive line is the most important. So that's a problem, but I so I want to see, it. I want to see some, because, so there, I think that that team has some cachet. Uh, the Steelers organization is an iconic NFL franchise. They're the cupboard mm-hmm. is not bare. Look, they have been essentially uh, a shell. They're pathetic this year. They, mm-hmm. they it took till the last game of the season for them to be out of the playoffs in terms of contending. Yeah. It,
0: it, it has, and it does. And I understand that. And it's, a, it's perfectly understandable. I, I'm not I'm not convinced that the last 12 years with uh, Ben Roethlisberger or Mike Tomlin, for that matter, have mounted to anything more than mediocrity. And you can make excuses all around, and Tomlin's done a good job here, bad job there. They've been mediocre, and having cut bait with Tomlin and or Ben would have produced exactly the same number of Super Bowls uh, as they had prior to cutting them, and it also would have reduced... The playoff victories are minimal at best over that same period of time. So,
1: they have to what if you kick it? Ga-
0: He's probably going to be gone before. I I think I he'll think be he gone is. before. That. I don't think he. Well, is. we'll see. We'll see. I will say this: um, this is a gentleman. This is a team that's struggling to find an identity, and they've got some malcontents. They've got some issues, and I don't know where they go from here. The same thing applies to Michigan. Michigan is not on the same level with Georgia, Alabama. It, and, and for that matter, neither is the rest of the big 10. And that was, that was exposed than, on Friday. Other night.
1: than Ohio state, Ohio state um, has, Ohio state
0: has a mortgage option. Yes, I would agree.
1: You know, but I mean, the, the, the best teams in the country. Okay. With, with a few interlopers from year to year, but basically uh, the, the college football playoff is the same teams. It's Alabama, it's Georgia. Other than this year, it's been Clemson. Clemson has been to four national title games in the last, I think, six years. They've won twice. And then throw in your random uh, Joe Burrow at LSU. Okay, So you've got the SEC, and then you've got Ohio State. Because Ohio State is the only non-SEC team that can recruit with the SEC. In fact, if you take a look at this Alabama team right now, their best receiver – Williams is a, an Ohio state transfer. So mm-hmm. Ohio state is the only team in the big 10 that from a competitive talent standpoint can compete. No one else matters. You watch, you don't even have to understand football. You watch the first five minutes of that Michigan game. And you would say to yourself, well, it seems like the people that are in the orange uniforms um, are much faster than and yeah. stronger and big, maybe not bigger, but certainly much faster than the people in the blue and yellow uniforms. And that yep. was glaringly obvious.
0: Speed kills. We, we've seen that from the SEC time and time again, even against house State. We have seen speed kills. The Big Ten does not have the speed that other teams in the SEC do. They just, well, for whatever reason, they have, reason, it, they they have
1: it at certain positions. Okay. So they'll have it at yeah. wide one wide receiver. They'll have it at a running back. The SEC teams, particularly the elite teams, we're not talking about Kentucky. Um, yeah. They have it at every position, including defensive linemen that weigh 290 pounds that can run down running backs, Chasing them down the line of scrimmage, I and mean, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible.
0: Did um, you see, there was a there was a there was a cornerback from uh, uh, Georgia who only played the last time. The only game he played in was the SEC championship. He was on the field and looked like a stud against the Michigan wide receivers. It doesn't matter. I, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Harbaugh. I don't know if it matters. Well, he just an extension. Not, it,
1: and now he got him. He got them to the playoff. He's going nowhere.
0: He's going nowhere. Well, I would, I would think he is, but we'll have to see. I, I, those aren't super lamenty, but I just had needed to share them. I, the Steelers, I think, are cooked, and I don't know who's going to be under center next year. And if it's Baker Mayf- or Bayer- if it's uh, Mason Rudolph, it's it's going to be a long and boring. Here's season. my
1: here's my prophecy, Chad. If another strong armed pit quarterback falls to them, where are they drafting in the first round?
0: You know, I, I don't, we don't know until the playoffs come up.
1: Well, they're going to the, be what? Like probably mid mid twenties.
0: Well, they would be probably yeah, I don't know six, 15, 14, somewhere in that fourteen, I would guess but it because already- the playoffs. In-
1: They already as a franchise, and Rod Woodson has said this, the great Rod Woodson. I don't know if you've ever seen this interview where Rod Woodson is asked about who's the best quarterback he's ever seen, and he immediately says, Dan Marino, no question, and if the Steelers hadn't been idiots and had drafted him, when when Woodson and his crew arrived like two years later, they would have won three, four Super Bowls. They can't yep. do it again. If Pickett falls to them, and they don't take him. The curse, the Marino curse, will follow them That's for twenty-five right. more years.
0: Hey, I would be fine right now taking Pickett. I don't know if he'll work out in the NFL, but if he did, that'd be great. Hey, we got to we got to go. Tony's got uh, uh, laundry to hang up and and laundry to fold, so I'm going to let That's him right. go. Anything else you want to add before we leave? No,
1: I think that was a good bonanza for our much delayed episode.
0: Okay, thank you all for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good
1: night.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.